Welcome to Living Water Radio. What would Jesus wear? Today we're going to consider our changing habits of dress during the pandemic and how Jesus can help us with that. My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the 110 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. We're at a point in the coronavirus pandemic where things are starting to wear down on us. There's a certain malaise sitting in, I think, a resignation to a difficult future for most Americans. Maybe we're just lowering our expectations given what we anticipate will be a volatile national life following the November presidential election, no matter who wins, which may or may not be known for some time, prolonging everybody's anxiety. Maybe we're anticipating the cooler, wetter weather that will push people inside in the coming flu season that could push an otherwise stable L.A. County and surrounding areas into a second wave, as most of the rest of the country is now experiencing. Maybe it's the gray skies and the fact that the Dodgers lost the second game of the World Series last night. On the other hand, we are adapting to the new normal. And there's every reason to think that Americans are and will continue to be a resilient people will adapt and overcome, as we have so many times before. With most of us at home more, and even working from home, would it be safe to say that our dress has adapted, that it has become more informal than usual? I can't remember the last time I wore a clergy collar. I wore dress pants to an online fundraising non-dinner that Sally and I support every year. I think that was the first time in six months. I usually wear jeans or ready cargos. Our yard is my gym now, and I've worn one set of grubby outdoor work clothes to threads, and I'm on my second set. Even if you're working from home and have to dress up a little bit, though you don't have to completely dress up, although now maybe you do, you've seen the memes and watched the embarrassing Zoom moments, the breakdowns and lapses of judgment, mainstream TV commercials now spoof this Zoom dubious dress code. Mark Twain, via Shakespeare, said that clothes make the man, or the person. That is, we feel a certain way when we wear certain clothes, and people judge who we are based in part on what we are wearing. Sally and I were talking about using my collection of silly hats for one of these videos the other day, and I got to thinking about whether Jesus wore a hat. I couldn't think of any reference in the Bible, so I googled it. Did Jesus wear a hat? I didn't find much help, but I did find a very interesting article on what Jesus wore. The article describes recent interest in Jesus' appearance, referencing the 2011 BBC documentary Son of God, in which a skull from first-century Israel was reconstructed, CSI-style with flesh and tendons, etc., to give a picture of what Jesus might have looked like. The author pointed out that the olive skin tone and black shortish hair and beard were correct, but everything else was just a guess. That observation bears some reflection. We speak sometimes of the Jesus of history 
and the Jesus of faith. The Jesus of history was a dark-skinned Middle Eastern Jew. Some things about that can be known, and some things are reasonable guesses. The Jesus of faith is like me, can relate to me, understand me, loves me. That is why Jesus looks Asian and Asian Christian art, African and African Christian art, European and European Christian art, and so on. Jesus was not likely taller, blonder, more blue-eyed, or more white than his contemporaries. That is an image of European art, not of history. Jesus' clothes are also not what we are used to seeing. They were not likely based around a single robe, always white, and not long. And they were embarrassing. The Bible indicates that Jesus likely wore a mantle, which men preferred to be undyed, and sandals. He wore a tunic, which for men stopped just below the knee, not at the ankles. Only rich men wore long tunics. Jesus' tunic was also made in one piece. I had believed that this was rare and expensive. The soldiers at the cross are described as gambling to see who would get Jesus' tunic. In fact, I heard a preacher once say that this was evidence that Jesus wasn't poor, having a one-piece tunic. Apparently, this is not the case. The author, Joan Taylor, professor of Christian origins and Second Temple Judaism, King's College, London, points out that one-piece tunics in first-century Judea were normally thin undergarments or children's wear. We shouldn't think of contemporary underwear, but wearing a one-piece on its own was probably not good form. It was extremely basic. A critic of Christianity later remembered that Jesus' clothes were shabby and that he obtained his means of livelihood in a disgraceful and importunate way, that is, the author observes, by begging or receiving donations. When Christian author Origen argued against this critic, he did not dispute these things. Jesus wore a basic tunic that others wore as an undergarment, Professor Taylor writes bluntly. Jesus identified with the poor. Why? Because he wanted to romanticize poverty? Because it's best to be poor? I don't think so. I think it was because the poor have no options. That's what it means to be poor. No options meant that they had nothing to turn to in order to distract them from the living relationship with the living God, the kingdom of God, that Jesus came to offer all. Jesus emptied himself of everything to give us eternity, here and in the world to come. We, in response, are cheerfully generous. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, starting at the 25th verse, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying and a single hour, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? 
for it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What is our most important garment? In Paul's letter to the Galatians, the third chapter, the 27th verse, he writes, As many of you as were baptized into Christ have have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. That is the streams of living water, God, God's self within us, the Holy Spirit. What would Jesus wear? Jesus wore a crown of thorns. He wore a mantle of blood on the cross. He did it for us, for our sin, that is, all that separates us from God, and we wear Jesus. Today, let's remember to pray for all those caring for those with the coronavirus, for those who now have it, and for those in danger of getting it. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us, If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have currently available and support the church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home, practice social distancing, wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.